0: Now it's recording. Okay, you didn't miss anything, other than me praying. Uh, if you're catching it on Hello, the, Barnes the recording, stop barns in Newlands. The so Barnes said, "Good morning, plant. We love so Mr. Okay, so. Uh, watching. All right. Awesome. What's up, Phil and Meredith? Pages, let me know everybody who's watching. So, um, hope to see y'all soon. Um, okay, so got me all off track. Right. Um, Dylan of <laughs> I said that already. Hello to everyone who is watching on the interwebs. Okay, uh, so we've been in Romans chapter nine, uh, and so uh, somebody tell me just kind of real quick because we've been in here for two weeks, so somebody ought to be able to tell me at least what what exactly the topic has been. What, what is Romans nine uh, talking about? Somebody. What's that? I'm sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> Wow! Good morning. Morning on you. God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. That's exactly right. That's that's really good. I it just caught me off guard. That's like a comment that I would make. So to hear it from somebody else was a little different. Okay, that's like it has nothing to do with what I'm teaching on, but. It's really funny to watch your kids grow up and, you know, be the guy who can... I, Paige will tell you, I, I generally, I don't know how, um, but I'm semi-quick semi witty with things and I can I come up with something and it's all fun until your kids start doing it to you. <laughs> and then it's like it's not so fun anymore. So, um, yeah, I was kind of like what that was. It kind of got me off guard. Um, I can't tell you to go to your room though, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't have to because you like you seclude yourself there anyway. It doesn't matter. The sovereignty of God. You're correct. And so we've kind of been hitting on um, just kind of the sovereignty of God. And I've, I started uh, and I'm going to finish today. I gave you four examples and I've give, we've been through three of them. We're going to pick back up on the third point and kind of finish hitting it and getting to the last point. But for example of God's sovereignty at work in. Um, Romans chapter 9. So let me just get there. Let me just read through this. It's the first 18 verses. I know it seems like a lot, but I want to get our minds back where we are. And then we're just going to pick back up and and uh, finish this thing. And if you do have questions, I do want you to ask because sometimes this can be confusing. Sometimes so, there's two different lines of thinking on this. right? And I'm not talking about calvinistic and armenian right because we we talked about that last bit. there's two different lines of thinking that are much more like my brain level because those words are big to me right i like little words that don't make me think too hard but uh there are people that think this is just this huge doctrinal thing and it is and they just really trip and stumble on it and they can't ever get past it they're like yeah i get it but and And then there's another line of thinking, and I'm not saying that you're wrong if you're in the first boat, but it's easier to live if you're in the second boat of, that's just what God said, and I believe it. Right? And some people would say that's just you putting your Christian head in the sand. No, it's just me walking by faith. But I understand both sides of it, so that's why I want to take our time to go through it. Um, So anyway, Romans chapter 9... Uh, Paul says in verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So verse 1 is basically him saying, I ain't lying about what I'm getting ready to tell you. Uh, Verse 2, That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. Now, I love my brother, but I don't know that sometimes I I don't want to be accursed from Christ. And Paul's like, I wish I would take it on me if it meant that they would be saved. I I do love my brother, so I'm not saying that I I wouldn't do that. Uh, For I wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, uh, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Whose are the fathers, and of whom is concerning the flesh, Cain, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. He's talking about the nation of Israel, right? And so, moving on. Verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. We talked a lot about that. We'll hit that again here in just a minute. But you know, just because you are born racially a Jew doesn't mean that you are uh, spiritually a Jew. right? And that's kind of what he's talking about there. We, we talked in depth about that. If you missed that, go back and hear the recording, the podcast or the Facebook or whatever. Anyway... Verse 7, Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they the children, but in Isaac shall they see be called. That is, they which are the children of flesh. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah will have a son. Uh, and not only this, but when Rebekah also have conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, oh, there it is, might stand. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, man, this is the verse that people trip on. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there any unrighteousness with God? Uh, You should have the same answer as Paul. God forbid there is no unrighteousness with God. I doubt he said, God forbid, quite as calmly as I did either. I'm sure it was a little more animated. God forbid, uh, for when, uh, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of uh, him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that thy name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore, he hath mercy on who he will have mercy, and on, who, uh, and on whom he will... Hardeneth, right? And so that's kind of the text, and we read it. And I didn't want to spend too much time there because we read it. But so somebody give me, because I'm, I, I could give them to you, but somebody knows them. Uh, the first three examples. What was the first example of God's sovereignty in this chapter? Israel. Israel, right? Okay. You can't answer. I'm kidding. Israel. Uh, well, how was is Israel an example of God's sovereignty? Somebody, what was the, what was the, the thrust of that? I mean, what, what was the point there? Right. I mean, the the theme of the Bible is a king and his kingdom, and Israel were his chosen was his chosen people. We spent an entire week just about that. That is the first example of God chooses. Right. Well, when you're the boss uh, at your job, when you are uh, the head of household, when you are put in a position of any kind of authority, you got to make a decision. Right, it just happens. Sometimes making decisions is easy. Sometimes making decisions is hard. But that's the point. He chose Israel. He didn't choose the Amalekites. He didn't choose uh, the Gadites. He didn't choose you know any of those. I could have went on forever, right? But he didn't choose those. He chose Israel, and that just shows that's the first example of God's sovereignty. Just the simple fact of the nation of Israel. And there was this whole long list of how he did that, right? The adoption, the promises, the sacrifices, all these different things, right? So what was the second example of God's sovereignty at work right here out of the text? What we talked about. What? Isaac Isaac Okay So how, is, how does that show God's sovereignty? How does the fact that Isaac uh, Somebody explain that somewhat uh, God said Abraham was going to have a seed In Isaac and not Ishmael Right Basically God came in and said uh, Abraham you're going to have a son And he's like all right, I mean, I'm old, but if you you say so, and then Sarah's laughing because she's like, I'm even older, or I'm I'm not older, but it doesn't work like that anymore, right? Um, And so she laughs. Uh, So what do they do? They come up with their own plan, just like, you know, you want some practical application for your life right here, just like we do. You know, we, we like to help God out. We know that God gave us, this is what's gonna happen. And we're like, okay, I can help you with that. And in turn, we just make a huge mess of things, right? We, we, a really good practical example of this is, you know, we go out, God, we know that God has said, this is what we need to do right um this is what we need to do and we try to come up with these great plans and our great you know well this is how we need to do it and i'm just going to help god out and next thing you know god has no part in the he doesn't even have his hand on it because you've pushed him out of the way because you're doing it and the next thing you know you've got a bunch of ishmaels running around and no isaacs right god forbid we have a church full of ishmaels and not isaacs you know the point is they as the story goes in in genesis right they're like hey we're gonna I tell you what, because I can't do this. Why don't you take my maid, Abraham, and use her? And so they have a son. He's actually the older son. And God's like, I'm not blessing that. Right? That's not what. I, that's not the blessing. And that's just that's another. I mean, it's easier to see that one, but that's another picture of you know God's sovereignty. He's like, hey, that's not. I'm making a choice here, and it was Isaac from the beginning, right? So that was uh, was the second one. Um, What was the one that we we got into last week? The the third one, right? The third example of God's sovereignty, right? Somebody. Anybody? Jacob Jacob and Esau, right? And so this one, and we didn't get... I mean, we kind of got through it, but I want to circle back around and and get back into this. But Jacob and Esau is a little harder to see. It's pretty easy to see why God's not going to bless... Hey, take my handmaid and have a child with her, and that can be the seed. That's not that hard, at least not in my mind. That's not that hard. Now, if you go in the secular world today, and I mean, I guess that might be a little confusing, but that's really confusing, you know. Anyway, Um, it's not that hard to see how God's not going to bless that, right? It's not that hard to see how. Why is, that, why is my ministry not working? Because God has no part in your ministry. You're doing everything on your own. Why is my marriage not working? Because there's, God has no part in your marriage, right? And you're trying to do everything on your own. Why is this happening? Why is... I mean, just go down the list, right? It's because you're doing everything on your own. That's a really good picture, right? God's not going to bless something that you don't allow Him to have the control of, right? Well, it's a little harder. The lines get a little more blurred. Not really blurred, but it's, it's harder to understand. Jacob and Esau right why because they were twins right in the womb and before they were even born God chose one before they were even born if you go back to the book of Genesis God said the younger or the elder will serve the younger right well, that doesn't make sense, especially in that culture. It doesn't make sense like that. That's God's sovereignty. That's God making a choice, right? That's that's how this thing plays out. It's a it's a birthright thing, and so we talked a little bit about because so, so it's harder to understand that, right? It's, it's harder to see. Like some people read this verse, they take verse thirteen and they're like, "See, this right here proves that God basically chooses whether." you're going to get saved or not, right? If you're going to heaven or hell. That's totally not what's happening here, just in case you're wondering. This is as it is written, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. It's not the fact, and so let me just kind of boil it down before I get into the notes here, try to explain this the best way that I can. It's not the fact that God hates Esau. It's not that at all. It's the fact that there is one chosen and one not. right? It wasn't the fact that, you know, at the time that this was said, people are like, well how, the, the, that baby had not done anything, right? So how can you, how can God choose one over the other? Because we have to understand that just because our minds work in time and the things that have happened and are happening, God's mind is not limited to time. God knows everything that ever has happened and also everything that is going to happen and He takes your free will into account into that, And we're going to talk a lot about that coming up. <clears throat> God knew that there were going to be things that Esau was going to do that was going to exclude him from that birthright. It wasn't the fact that God just hated Esau. It wasn't the fact that God was like, you know what, this guy's going to heaven, this guy's going to hell. It wasn't that at all. It was the fact that God's knowledge, His foreknowledge, we talked about this in, in chapter 8, understands the things that are going to happen even before they have happened we don't have to understand it we just have to accept it right and that doesn't mean that there's a list that says these people are going to get saved and these people aren't your free will has everything to do with it you have every opportunity to get saved if you choose to and so we got into this conversation i don't want to spend a whole lot of time about this on this but uh, i want to bring it up one more time of the, the Calvinism argument, because people will consider this, you know, the, the Calvinism chapter, right? Um, that's why we were talking about we were all Calvinists, right? Not really, but um, I, I don't know if I should say this, but I will say this. Am I getting in trouble for saying this? But sometimes I will. I would rather be a Calvinist than an Armenian, right? But honestly, I would rather be... In between, so I'm not, I don't have to choose, praise the Lord. So, anyway, so a, a Calvinist, uh, and it's really not even a Calvinist, a hyper Calvinist will tell you that you have no choice in the matter, you're either going to heaven or hell, and God's figured that out for you, so you might as well just live like you want. And whenever God comes tapping on your shoulder, you better respond. And if he doesn't, you had no choice in the matter anyway, right? That's basically what a hyper Calvinist will tell you. Well, an Armenian basically will say, God will be there when I'm ready for God to be there, and when I'm done with God. I'll put him back on the shelf, right? And so I can I can get saved when I want because God owes it to me. And uh, when I'm done with needing God, I'll just you know shelf him. I don't I can lose my salvation and I'll pick it back up when I want to. Well, that's just as far false as the other. Okay, so that's kind of the conversation there. So let me just start with um, don't be too afraid. Let me just say this: don't be too afraid of the word Calvinism. But understand that Calvinism can lead to what we call hyper-Calvinism, and that's where you need to be careful, right? Um, But anyway, I don't want to get too deep into all that. So God saved us, right? If you accepted Him, He saved us uh, as a free choice of His divine election, right? God, that was it, it was His free choice and a free choice of our independent will. And if both sides aren't there, you don't have the truth. Right? An Armenian says that I'll just do it whenever I want, and a Calvinist says you have no say in the matter. Somewhere in between, it takes God's election and our free will to have the truth. That's the only way that that thing works out. Sorry, like I told you, I'm I'm using different notes, so I want to make sure that... (laughs) God promised eternal life to you before you were even born, right? In the Word of God. If you were to accept it, it was there, right? He promised that to you before you were... Since God is an entity, and I've kind of hit on this already, but He's, he's an entity outside of time then before time, Right, so when when was before time? Well, think about that for a minute. then make your head start smoking. Then before time, God determined salvation in time. Right, before time ever even was, He said, "You know what I'm going to offer to these people is salvation, but it's, it can't happen until they're actually here and it's at the right time in their life with the right circumstances that they will call on My name." Right, and so He He determined this that there, there's no past in God and there's no future in God. Why? Because He is I am that. I am, right? That's what it says, right? But we live in time, right? And that's the only way that we, in our minds, know how to to judge it. So if God wants us to know something, He has to say it using past, present, and future tenses. That's the only way that our minds will understand it. That's the only way that this works out. Otherwise, we wouldn't understand it. That's why there are some questions for which there seem to be no answers right now. Because we can't comprehend what timelessness really is. We say, why would God allow that to happen? Why would this happen to this person? Why would God choose this person over this person? Right? Why would you fill in the blank? Because God knows what's going to happen four steps down the road. It's like playing chess with somebody that's really good at it and you're really not. Right, like I can't even hardly remember what the little pawns do, which which way they go. Right, so I'm thinking like, oh, this guy's got to go at an angle. This guy, he he makes an L shape. Right, and and then you're playing against somebody that they're thinking for, they, like they know what's the, what their four moves down the road are going to be. I can't think like that. Right, I'm just not that smart. Some people are, and even the people that are that smart aren't anywhere close to even scratching the surface of how smart God is, and the fact of he's thinking about what's going to happen. Ten steps down the road. he. You might say, why would this relationship not work? Why would uh, this happen to uh, this child? Why would, you know, whatever, right? Why would the, the pastor at this church fall? Why would, you know what? It, it may seem horrible if, if a pastor falls, right? It may seem like the worst thing ever. What's going to be worse? If he falls now or if he continues to drag God's name through the mud for years and then he falls? Right, because then everybody questions. So, God knows what's going to happen ten steps down the line. You have to understand that that portion of it. Right, it has nothing to do with He hated Esau and He loved Jacob. He just knew the pure motive down the road of Jacob. Compared to Esau, and I'm not going to say that Jacob was anything perfect because what did he do? He throws on the sheepskin and goes into his blind daddy, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I'm Esau, feel me? I'm all hairy, right?" Go back and read the story, and you'll know what I'm, you know, getting at. But you know, he wasn't the the, the, the cream of the crop either. Let's just say. But sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to take the lesser of two evils, right? And that's just the way it works. So you, you got to understand this. Uh, God, God says, "I promised a long time ago, before there was even time, that I was going to bring about a time when you would have the opportunity to get saved." Right? He knew this before you ever even were. Right? How can a Calvinist or how can a hyper-Calvinist or how can anybody say, "I have no say in the matter"? You have every say in the matter. If you don't call out to God, you don't get saved. Right? God set this up years in advance, before you ever, when God was. He set this up before you ever even knew about it. What does that say about providence? What is, so we've been talking about sovereignty. What is providence? I heard that the HBI guys had this conversation just the other night. I heard this, so I thought I might bring it up, right? And I know we're talking about big words, and some of you guys are like, "Wow, this is just like I don't not that I don't care, but I don't really care." It's important, right? And there are some things that you need to, to get on this. So what is so God's sovereignty is just basically. Him being the one who makes the choices, right? What is God's providence? Somebody give me something. It would be like God using our choices to glorify His purpose His It is God's hand in your life, right? Here's here's kind of a a way that I've said it or I've heard it said. Providence is God's prior provision for your present situation. Right, it's something that He already had in place for you to just stumble upon in your time of need, His prior provision for your present situation. Right? Meaning, have you ever had, and I'm sure you have, a time in your life where you're like you're going through something, and then all of a sudden it was just like, I have no way to explain that other than God. Right? Like, whoa, like you're going through something, uh, you're struggling with something, and it's just like. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the next thing you know, it was just like it was clear as day the whole time. Wow, that was that was totally a God thing. I couldn't have done that. That is God's providence in your life. That is God showing up, saying, Hey, uh, I know you like to say you got this, but you ain't got this, and I'm going to help you along the way. That is God's providence. And so when God's providence shows up at a certain time in your life, and then it all adds up to the time where His sovereignty said, Hey, there's going to be an opportunity for you to receive the gospel that is where His providence and His sovereignty come together. Does that make any sense at all? Because it should, right? That is where those two big, confusing words come together. And then what happens? Salvation. And it has nothing to do with the fact that you were or predestinated or you know preordained to be good or bad, you know, heaven or hell. It has nothing to do with that. God's will is that every person would get saved. The fact is, he knows that most people won't. They won't accept it. Does it mean that they can't? Absolutely not. Right? Anybody at any time can bow their knee and they confess and they're saved, just like that. Free will has everything to do with it. Right? The fact is, God knows that most people won't. You have to understand that. You have to understand that in, and we're not talking about salvation in this sense, but it had nothing to do with God knew Jacob was going to get saved and Esau was going to hell. It had everything to do with the fact that you know I'm, I'm using those terms because I'm trying to relate it to your life and you know lives of people around you. It has everything to do with the fact that Joe was going to reject the gospel, and God knew that. He still had every opportunity, but Jack, I'm trying to use names that are completely just random, right? God knew he would bow his knee. Did it mean that He made him? No. It, it doesn't mean that that God hates Esau it means the fact that he knew what was going to happen at the end of the story and we'll talk about what happened in the story right but but that's that's another example of God's sovereignty we look at it and we're like oh see God just chooses God chose because he knew what the answer was going to be it had nothing to do with the, the fact that he loved one more than the other it has nothing to do it would be like as a parent saying you know what I like all my kids but I really love that one right uh, that one right there that's that's the best one no because we don't know at the end of the day, shake your head all you want, son. <laughs> we don't know at the end, I don't know at the end of the day which one of my sons or my daughter are going to be the one that's going to be there when I desperately need them when I'm old and I can't do the things, right? And maybe they all will, praise God if they are, right? I hope they're fighting over who gets to take care of me, right? I, I really do. But we don't know that, but God does. Because if I did know that, I would probably be more impartial to the one that was going. You know, that's just I just probably would. God knows, right? But the thing is, He's not more partial. He still gives the same opportunity to everyone. Everyone has the free will, right? And so, here's a couple. The problem with providence is that. You have to be patient with providence. Too often we're like, well, fine, if, if God's going to have providence in my life, I can go get into any situation at all and He's going to get me out of it, right? Because His providence is going to provide. Well, sometimes you've got to be patient with God's providence because it doesn't exactly work like that, right? You may have to wait for the proper time in order for the promise to be realized in time, right? In, in, in the way we look at it. It's always going to work out. But maybe not in your time. So here's a few things just about providence, right, to know about it, and then we'll, we'll move on to the last one. The last one's not very long, but um, he, here's a couple things you have to think about with providence. Because we look at providence, we're like, okay, so providence is basically God's provision for me in my time of desperate need. Or maybe not even desperate need, but that is what, him showing up when I wasn't really expecting it, but it, his provision, right? Uh, it, it's the random uh there's been times in Paige and I's life where you know, maybe financially we weren't in the greatest uh, of shape, and it's like I know what two plus two equals. I'm not a math major, but I do know that, uh, and so I know that two plus two doesn't equal what the mortgage is. And so how's this going to work out? And God was providing, right? And so that's just that's a semi-practical example of providence at times, right? And I'm not saying go get yourself in a bunch of debt because God's going to get you out. It doesn't work like that, right? Not at all. You have to understand a couple of things about problems. What is God trying to accomplish? Right? Well, God got me out of this. Because, you know, because He's wanting to get the glory out of your marriage. That's why He got you out of this crazy situation with your spouse. Right? Or, or whatever. I'm using an example. Right? What's he do? He's trying to get glory. What is He trying to accomplish? What's God's goal? We know what God's goal is. So, so a lot of times we know. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes something happens in life and we're like, I have no idea what God's trying to accomplish with this, and you may not ever know. And a lot of times, you know, what's what's the saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty. We get there and we're like, oh yeah, I totally get what was going on now. Right? Well, why'd you act such a fool when it was going on then, right? Because you didn't trust. Another thing to know about providence what's the response of those around gonna be, right? God might show up in a big way just to see that nothing around is going to, to go well, right? i will give you an example. We're talking about Esau and Jacob, right? Esau's out hunting, hunting, right? It's hunting season. I feel like I'm from Cass County there. Hunting, he's hunting, not hunting. Um, he's out hunting, uh, and he comes back and he's like famished. I'm hungry, right? It reminds me of like when my boys come stumbling out of their bedroom. It's like the only time they come out is when it's time to eat, right? It's feeding time. He He comes back. He's so hungry. He voluntarily, and not only voluntarily, but he willingly agreed to exchange his birthright. Go back and read the story in Genesis for the equivalent of a bowl of Wendy's chili, right? He's just like, you know... I'm hungry, and they're like whatever, Jacob. You want my birthright? I don't. That doesn't even matter. I'm hungry, right? And he just, he just changes it. Now we know it wasn't really. Go back and read the story. Do some study, right? I'm not going to do it for you. Esau despised his birthright. He didn't think that his inheritance was any more. It was worth any more than the food that he was eating. And his fleshly needs were so great to him that instead of trusting God, he traded away his relationship with God. Now that can get practical really quick. Right, I know we're talking about Jacob and Esau. We're like, that's a long time ago, and you're talking about big words that I don't understand. Okay, that right there should hit close to home. Sometimes we, instead of trusting God, we trade away our relationship with God because we don't trust. We're going through something so crazy in our life that seems so hard. And I'm like, I'm not saying what you're going through isn't hard. There are people in this class that are going through things that are hard. right? There are people in this church that are going through things that I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it from you if... Uh, I, I couldn't, right? I think of people like Pastor Randy. Like, I couldn't take that. I, 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 I can't comprehend that, okay? So, but what I'm saying is sometimes we're going through something that seems like the worst thing ever. And you don't even understand that the worst thing ever doesn't even compare to what you're going through. What you're going through doesn't even compare to the worst thing ever. God's growing you. He's stretching you, Right? <laughs> Instead of trusting God through something that seems hard, we trade away our relationship with God. If God, God, God can't do that, right? We just trade it away, give it up. Another thing that providence has that goes along with it is human decision. God knows what you're going to decide. Does it mean that He's making you decide one thing or another? No. But He knows what your decision is going to be. Right? Now, some people would say, well, that's the same thing. No, it's not at all. God didn't decide for you. He just knows what your decision will be here's just kind of to boil it down and so we can get to the next point let me give you just a few statements to make sure that if I've said something wrong you need to make sure you get these couple things right and you don't have to write them down but God's sovereignty I'm sorry God's sovereign choice is made I'm sorry I almost said it wrong and it would have been bad it's not made apart from human decision right God's sovereignty is Is not made apart from human decision, meaning you have every say in the matter. Get saved or not, that's up to you. Because God's providence is not blind like fate; His eyes can adjust to your decisions. So a man can say, "I'm sorry," a man can't say, "I went to hell because God or God chose to elect and save another person instead of me." No, from our position and perspective, God did. uh, I'm sorry, I can't read. God does not choose apart from human decision because his choice is based on a foreknowledge of all things, both actual and potential. Right? You might say, well, I'm so, some of this, I don't want to get confusing in the way I say these things. I just want to make it as basic as I can. You have every, and let's just, we're talking about salvation here, right? We, you can make this applicable to your life and like the simple decisions you have in life. Salvation. Because this is, that's just where the doctrine gets all skewed. God does not say, has not ever said, will not ever say, this person guaranteed is going to get saved and that person is, is, that person is going to hell. It doesn't work like that. Now, he may know the end of the story. I hope he does because he wrote the book that says he's got the end of the story figured out. Right? I don't just hope, I believe it. But your free will decision has everything to do with it. If you do not bow your knee, you won't get saved. Whether you think you're on the list or not. Just because you were born in America, I'm sorry, I might offend some people, you ain't no more Christian than anybody else. Right? Just because you were born into a, a, a family of Christians, I, I used the analogy last week or the week before, right? Uh, just because. You know, how, how did it work? I'm trying to remember, right? Just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. Right? Just because you grew up in a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian. Just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you are either. Right? It doesn't work like that. It takes your free will one way or another to make that choice. That's why we should be so burdened for our kids. We should be so burdened for the people around us. Because we can't make the decision for them, but man, we can implore them to make the right decision. His sovereign choices, there's nothing I want you to get, and I'm going to move to the last point. His sovereign choices factor in human free will. His sovereign choices factor in human free will without limiting his will in any sense. How does <laughs> that make sense? His sovereignty, right? He's the one who decides everything before it ever, right? It factors in your free will before you ever even born to have free will because he knows what you will decide does it change the fact that don't don't get skewed the fact that you can't call on the name of the lord at any point in your life right i'm sure every person in here or at least i hope you do you have somebody in your life that you were like there is no way ever that that person would get saved and then they do and it's just like oh my gosh that's amazing right and you guys know i told you the story before i got saved uh i was i was pretty i was pretty out there right i was pretty radical i've I worked hard and I played hard. I was I was a worldly kind of person, right? And I was all about it. And God saved me. Um, I, you know, I just I I ran, I ran, I turned to Christ, and I was going 100 miles an hour, right? But I had this person, uh, and you guys, most of you know him, as my brother. And I was like, for as bad as I was, he was like, he was he was way bad, right? Like first first like I thought I was I was living worldly. He was worse. And I was like, you know, that was really awesome that God has changed my life, and I, it was amazing. But I remember praying. I was like, "Man, there's just no way that this guy will ever turn." And it was just like his—I call them kisses from God, right? It was one of those sweet kisses from God. I, not even two months later, like God brings him to the church, and he just—not not that the church is anything, right? Uh, the gospel is the power. But uh, and and he saves him. And it's just like it was—it was a way for me to realize there is nothing too hard for God, right? And so. We've seen that you you should you should know people that are just like man. There's no way that person's going. Oh wow, right? You have to understand. God knows free will, so we need to be careful about counting certain people out. Okay, so the last one um, on the list of uh, I don't even remember what the list is called now. Uh, sovereign four examples of God's sovereignty, right? Here's 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 the last one. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. And I've got like five minutes, but it's not really much of a. But. That clock is five minutes alone. No, it's not. We figured that out on... Shoot. <laughs> All right, well, I'm not starting over, so you guys are going to give me a couple minutes here. Pharaoh. I mean, you're right, I do remember that. We were teaching D2 the other night, and I realized it was slow. Sorry. Uh, I'll hurry. Verse verse uh, 14. What shall we say then? Is there any, any unrighteousness of God? God forbid. There is no unrighteousness of God. God is not on the hook for any of your bad decisions. Let me just say that. I mean, that's to, to, to bring it just rubber to the road... God's not on the hook for any of your dumb decisions, so don't try to put Him there. For He saith to Moses, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on who I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but on God that showeth mercy. Meaning, it doesn't matter how hard you try, or how good you think you are, or how you fill in the blank, you're not going to get there other than what? Confessing and bowing, right? That's the only way, right? Um, That salvation is simply of that. And here's the example, right? Uh, Verse 17. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Go back to Exodus and read the story, right? Even the same, uh, even for this same purpose, have I raised thee up that I might show uh, my power in thee, that uh, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth, right? And so basically, try to fast forward the tape on this. So you remember the nation of Israel. Uh, they end up in Egypt, right? They're basically slaves to Egypt. And Moses is like, hey, you're going to have to let my people go. And God goes to Moses and he's like, hey, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, I can't talk too good. He's like, okay, we'll take Aaron with you, right? And he, they go to Pharaoh and they're like, hey, you're going to have to let the people go, God's people go. Pharaoh's like... Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good idea, right? Um, uh, you're my slaves, that's not going to work like that. And so they're like, okay, well, if you don't, God's probably going to have some judgment. And he's like, I'm not concerned, right? And so over and over again, God sends a plague. And then Pharaoh's like, oh my gosh, this is horrible, you guys can go, right? And then, like, okay, so I'll, I'll set you all free, okay? And then the plague goes away. And then, like, the next day, he's like, yeah, I changed my mind, you guys ain't going nowhere, right? And over and over again, um, to kind of just, just to, to go through go go through that and um, God hardened Pharaoh's heart right and so that's the thing you need to understand Pharaoh 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 hardened his own heart several times but in the end it was God that hardened his heart right in the end it was God who had to say this could go on forever and I'm not going to play games with you anymore right God's sovereignty eventually. We'll take somebody who's just going to simply play games with the Word of God, and He'll remove them from the situation. Now, I don't want that to seem calloused or wrong, but uh, if you've got somebody who's just playing with the Word of God, um, you know, even a, a Christian. Right? If you're if you're not doing anything for God, don't be surprised if God takes you out. Because all you're doing at this point is blaspheming his name. Right? And I'm not saying that he's in the business of just taking people out, but if all you're doing is dragging God's name through the mud, you can't lose your salvation. So um, you know, if you're still breathing, that's why Brian always says, if you can follow up a mirror, God's not done with you. He sees some sort of purpose in your life still. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, it does say five times that Pharaoh hardened his own heart, but before it says that, God, God hardened him. If you want someone to pin the blame on, that's fine. God says, if you want to blame it on somebody, here's you can blame me, I'm fine. I've got big shoulders, I can carry it. You have to understand that there are times in life, and just kind of boil it down, this is the end of the, the conversation on this, and let's just wrap it up, because I had a lot of things I wanted to say, but I'm not going to. You just have to simply trust that God is God, and you are not. Now, I know that at times it's like, oh my gosh, you just simply have to trust that God is God and you are not. Why would God allow this to happen? I don't know. Well, we, we've, we've counseled people. Why would God allow this to happen? I just simply have to trust that God is God and I am not. I'm going to bring Him as much glory as I can through it. Right? God gives your free will every opportunity to bring Him glory. But you just have to realize God's sovereignty boiled down in the best way that I can explain it. God is God and we are not. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't live godly. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't uh, do the things, right? Evangelize and get out and share our faith. uh, Live it out. All these things. Disciple. At the end of the day, God is God. And we are not. And you have to be okay with that. Right? Because what's the alternative? You're not okay with that? Okay, well then you're lost and you're even in a worse state. Right? Just simply have faith that God is God and He has your best interest at heart. Right? We're, we're, all, we're walking around like, oh my gosh, you know, we got these conspiracy theories and all this. And it's just like, at some point you have to understand that somebody's got your back. Right? And I promise, it wasn't either one of the two people y'all voted for. Neither one of them got you back. God is God. He has your back. Just simply accept that, that at the end of the day, He knows what's going to happen and what seems like is really bad, that's okay because He knew that that bad was going to work for His good eventually. Okay? I hope that kind of makes sense. If you've got any questions, let me know. We'll move on. The the chapter gets even a little more. Uh, So... uh, it's good stuff, guys. I, I do pray that you're getting something from this. I know it's kind of teachy, but you ought to be able to take some things from this and just be like, okay, I, there's there's practical application, right? Stop trying to help God out in your life. Allow Him to work all right just several different things that you should be able to pull from this so all right let's pray uh, and we'll give them Father God I love you uh, thank you for today I thank you for the Passpoint class I pray that you would just uh, speak today through Pastor Brian uh, I pray you send us out this week as lights in a dark world I pray you be with uh, those in the Passpoint class and even at HBF that have several things going on Lord and um, that you would just uh, be manifest in their life uh, that your will would be done uh, that your providence would be right on time and that you uh, would be the one who gets the honor and the glory um, in the you would just allow us to have uh, a small part uh, in bringing you that glory. So I pray you just speak today in Christ's name, Amen. Sorry for one over, guys. I'm going to fix that clock because really, to me, I'm only two minutes over, not seven.